Well, good morning. My name is Brian Telsero, and I have the privilege of uh, preaching the Word of God here this morning as we continue our series in the book of Acts, uh, our series entitled The Gospel in Motion. Now, I have been using a reading through the year program, a reading through the Bible in a year program uh, this year, and last month I came across uh, the passage where Samson shares a riddle in Judges 14. Now, Becky and I were on, uh, went on vacation this uh, past week, but just before that, uh, our staff got together, and uh, we were there with our families, and I shared a riddle uh, with them that I want to open uh, my message here this morning with. And, uh, you know, riddles have a little bit of a twist to see if you can figure them out, okay? This riddle involves a knife. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can respond to those questions, but please don't give away the answer to the riddle if you know it already. So, here's some basic questions. Now listen, if this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? Yes, let's try that again. (laughs) If this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? No. Let's try this again, now listen. If this is a knife, And this is a knife. Is this a knife? It is. Come on. Let's pay attention. If this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? It's not. That's good. You guys are getting it. Okay, let's listen to it one more time. If this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? It is. I'll try it one more time. Well, maybe two more times. Is this a knife? No, it's not. Mm. You got to listen. Is this a knife? Yes, it is. I'll let you have some fun with that at your Mother's Day lunches trying to figure that out. Now, I share that only to introduce that our topic, our passage today, has a lot to do with the idea of listening. So how are you at listening? Uh, If you don't know, just turn to your spouse and ask. Or a significant other. Or a friend. Personally, I have had to work to be a good listener. Uh, Anyone else? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell a quick story. In my marriage, uh, I realized I was not that good of a listener. There have been times where Becky has been telling a story. Becky is my wife, and she's been telling me something, and all of a sudden, I discover she's left the room. (laughs) And she was perceptive enough to know that I wasn't listening. So she wasn't going to go on and tell whatever it was she was telling me, and she just left the room. Now, that doesn't happen more than once, or twice, I guess. And you realize, like, okay, I need to pay attention. I need to focus, if she's telling me something, to be focused on, on what it is that we're being told. Well, again, if this is how we listen to one another, and I recognize we're all a work in progress. Uh, there's something we have to learn and grow in that listening capacity. Uh, but if this is how we listen to one another, how are we listening to God? if we are challenging with people who are right in front of us? Well, over the last couple of years, we've been asking this question, how is God getting your attention? We've been calling these kairos moments, moments when the internal God breaks into our circumstances 
uh, with an event that gathers some of the loose ends of the things that are happening and then binds them together in a knot in some way, shape, or form. These events may cause some significant changes in the direction of our lives. Now, our scripture today has a couple of significant kairos moments uh, that are oriented towards our ability and our need to listen. So, in, in this case, we are going to be looking at um, Saul's conversion, which is packed with a ton of drama. And so, uh, as we look at his life uh, and what God is saying to him, this is the character we know as the Apostle Paul. And the scripture passage comes from Acts 9, verses 1 through 19. Hear now this dramatic occasion in Saul's life. It begins with the word, meanwhile. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. Then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim his name, to, the, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to, as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fall from, from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Well, like other times that we've opened and engaged the scriptures, we need to understand the context of what's going on. Hence the word, as um, um, uh, Luke writes, meanwhile. So what is the meanwhile? So if you weren't here last week, uh, John spoke last week about Philip the evangelist, 
who uh, as a result of the persecution that Saul was spreading, the believers are scattered all over, but they are still preaching the gospel. Even Philip needed to listen to the angel call him to go to the south road, to the desert road in the south, where he encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. He continues to preach the gospel to all the towns where he traveled until he reached Caesarea, where he remained the rest of his life. Saul is the adversary to all who were preaching Jesus as the Messiah. And as we heard last week, he was actually killing people. Saul stood by while Stephen was stoned to death. And he's having others thrown into prison. Clearly a guy you want to avoid. But then Saul has a Kairos moment like no other. He has in hand letters from Jerusalem. So if he finds anyone in Damascus who is preaching Jesus as the Messiah, he can take them as prisoners and bring them back to Jerusalem. But while he's on his way to Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him and he fell to the ground. Hello, Kairos moment. It doesn't get any more dramatic than that. Have you ever experienced something so loud or so bright that your body reacts to it? Yes, I have too. Whether it's a flash of light or it's a loud sound, And in this case, Saul is driven to the ground. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I think, I wonder, maybe this morning, this is all you need to hear. This is the Jesus who has died And he is now alive and is the Messiah. And he shows up in the Apostle Paul's story. These are not just stories or folklore. Uh, These are actual events told by people who were present. Historical facts, if you will. Those with Saul heard what was said, but they didn't see anyone speak. Now on an earlier occasion in Jesus' journey with Peter, James, and John, he took them up onto a high mountain. And a flash of light appeared among them. And Jesus was engulfed into a cloud. They could see no one. But they heard a voice that said, This is my son. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this event in their Gospels, adding to the evidence that that God exists and he speaks and instructing each one of us in a similar way to listen to Jesus. Listening to Jesus is a critical characteristic of being a disciple. But be aware, this is not a one-time thing. It is a lifelong experience of listening to the voice of God speak in each of our lives. After listening to this bright light that flashed among them, Saul is told to go to Damascus and wait until he is told what he must do next. Can you imagine being in that environment when this event happened? Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering whether this was true or not, if it was just ideas they came up with, Saul is blind. He can't see. For three days, he goes into Damascus, doesn't eat a thing or drink anything, simply waiting for God to speak. This is a physical evidence of a Kairos moment in Paul's life. 
Now, I'm told that when our main senses, one of them is deficient, other senses are heightened. Now, Saul can no longer see, but he's waiting with great intensity to hear, to listen to what God is going to say to him. And he doesn't know how that's going to come until he has a vision. But waiting is sometimes some of our most challenging things that we experience in life, isn't it? It's hard to wait. It's difficult to know. When is God going to speak? How many of us have painstakingly waited for God to speak to us in some of our circumstances? And even in some regards, our waiting, we get distracted. I wonder how many of us have been struck blind by what the world is distracting us with, causing us to fail to listen to what God might be saying in those circumstances. Perhaps we need someone like an Ananias to show up in our lives to tell us what we're supposed to do next. This man who was feared by so many had been brought to his knees in submission to the one whom he hasn't been listening to. But this is just half the story. Check out what Ananias is told and how his listening brings about significant change for Saul and the impact to the rest of the world. Verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. I love the specifics of this passage. Ananias hears God's voice speak to him in a vision. That's the first kind of thing that stands out to me. He is a disciple who is very intentional about listening to God. That is what disciples do. Disciples listen, they learn, and they lead. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, he's told. Uh, okay, Straight Street. Uh, who knew that there was this name, a street named Straight in, in Jerusalem uh, or in Damascus at this time? Um, God is so specific with this, and he says to him, there's a man there from Tarsus by the name of Saul. He's seen you come and place your hands on him to restore his sight. So go do that. Put your hands on him. Now, imagine yourself in Ananias' position, in his shoes or his sandals, if you will. Um, okay, God, I get the message, but do you, you really know who this guy is? I mean, I've heard many reports about this man. Uh, he's harmed all kinds of folks and, and to the people, your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests. Ananias is aware of this. The believers and the people know that, that Saul is on his way. He's coming that way. And he's aware of it. And you want me to go approach him, putting myself in harm's way? And I wonder if God's response to Ananias is as stern as it sounds in this passage. He says, go, go. This is the man, my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Okay, God, okay, I will go do it. 
Ananias becomes the reconciler, the bearer of great news for Saul. Notice that Ananias is not telling Saul all that God has in store for him. Yes, he will carry Jesus' name uh, to the world, but he will also suffer along the way. Yet, how it's going to happen is yet to come. He, like us, only gives enough information to help us to set our long-range goals on him. And then we are to walk in obedience to him in each of our days. Restoring Saul's sight was also a foreshadowing of the mission God is giving to Saul to be his messenger to the Gentiles. As disciples, we have the privilege of bringing sight to those who don't know him. Now, I have a great memory from our experience when I went to Vile de Lead. We have a group going to Vile de Lead in June here shortly. Uh, and when we went, we went with an optical team that uh, sought to be able to give examinations to Mayan uh, Indians that were there or anyone who needed uh, glasses. And they would see Dr. Dunning. Dr. Dunning then send them out to us with a script and we would try to find a pair of glasses and we would put those glasses on them, several different kinds to see which ones worked best. And it was amazing to see their eyes light up. They're looking around like this as if they have never seen color before. What a beautiful experience it was to bring about that for folks that didn't have something we take for granted. I wear contacts. So I can appreciate very much to being able to see things that I wasn't able to see before. We as his disciples have that benefit as well. Ananias listens to God's voice and does this. Ananias went to the house and, enter it, and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, look how he addressed Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, it sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he was strengthened again. Again, can you imagine what it was like to have been a witness in that room and to see Saul get up and see these scales fall from his eyes? And hear the words of what Ananias spoke to him. <sighs> the man who was killing followers of the way and putting others in prison is now called brother. Ananias listens to God's voice and is, through his vision and gives Saul a totally new direction to his life and has, asked, and has done what God has asked of him. He's listened and followed through. So, I ask... What can we learn from these events in Saul and Ananias' life? Number one, we need to be listening to God. It's not optional for his disciples. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who does not only listen, but also acts on the things that he or she hears. God commands his disciples at the time of Jesus' transfiguration for his disciples to listen to Jesus. Both Saul and Ananias heard God speak in a vision of what they must do. So I couldn't help in reading this. I wondered, what's the difference between a vision and a dream? In all my research, they were saying not much. The only difference is a vision happens during the day, when we're awake. 
A dream happens while we're asleep and usually at night. So they do occur. And we would do well, perhaps, maybe sometime, to do a series on God speaking in visions and in dreams. Now, I don't remember many of my dreams as they happen, but they do happen. My wife used to tell me a lot of the things that used to happen in her dreams. They tend to be much more vivid in those. And we probably should pay a little bit more attention to those uh, than maybe what we do as God was speaking to us. Um, But again, that's for another time. But nevertheless, Saul and Ananias had to be listening to receive the visions that they heard. So therefore, first and foremost, we need to become better listeners to God in his efforts to try to get our attention. Very few of us will probably experience this flash of light experience that drove uh, Saul to his knees. But some of us might. Very, uh, again, I've had a few moments in my life where these kairos moments had occurred uh, that I can look back on and say this was a specific way that I maybe have heard some direction from God as to what I ought to be doing. My first one is when I confessed Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was in high school. Joining the Young Life staff, uh, which is a ministry to high school students in my early 20s. Uh, meeting my wife Becky and hearing God say she's the one. Fortunately, God gave her the same message. That doesn't always happen. Um, Moving to Chicago to work with Young Life uh, in a full-time capacity. Moving back to Grand Rapids and coming here on staff uh, to work with the youth ministry. Uh, Going to Kuiper to teach youth ministry and then returning back here in the role that I now play. But as we've been on this journey about Kairos moments, I've come to realize these aren't all just big career moves. Uh, Kairos is really the Greek word for time. It means God's appointed time, God's intervening time, outside of the chronos. Uh, He's got something specific for us. He wants our attention, and he has something to say, and we better be listening. Saul sat blind for three days, not eating or drinking, but waiting very intently for what Jesus was going to say next. Instead of continuing as the persecutor of the followers of Jesus, he becomes God's chosen instrument to proclaim Jesus' name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. Do you see the irony in it all? The the guy who was most uh, uh, an adversary for what was happening to those who were preaching the gospel now becomes the champion for that message. And he writes 13 letters um, 13 different letters in the New Testament. And I couldn't help but, uh, but think about uh, what happens after Saul's life, um, after he becomes and has this experience. I wanted to kind of think about the context that we heard what happened before. What happens next? Well, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Can you imagine They all knew that he was coming as the one who was going to put these folks in prison. And now he's found in the synagogue preaching Jesus as the Son of God. All of those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man, the one who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Folks, these are historical proofs of someone who was once the greatest adversary is now the greatest champion. 
an amazing account for those things that have just happened. So, whatever you do, never count anyone out in our circles of folks that we know. No matter what the circumstance of their lives, God can do anything with their purpose and direction in life. No matter how belligerent or against the message of Jesus, they just might be someone God uses to proclaim his message to the lost and the hurting in the world. You might even be that person that God will use to proclaim his name to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your teammates, to anyone within your circle. As we consider Ananias, God might be speaking to us in a vision where he gives us a message for someone else. Ananias, a disciple of Jesus, listened to the Holy Spirit by his presence, delivering God's message to Saul. Who might God be calling you to deliver and proclaim his name in your circle of friends? Well, I realize it's Mother's Day, and we have a lot of folks that probably gather around mom's table today. And I want to encourage you. There's a lot of things that you could be talking about. But I wonder if you might address one of these questions. How is God getting your attention? What is he doing in your daily life that he's trying to speak to you? Is there something out there that you could kind of process with others? Or maybe, what is he saying to you? Are you listening to him? Are you hearing what he's having to say? And then third, what are you going to do about it? Well, you need to act upon that. Maybe you need to ask folks within your circle, can you help me figure this out? I think I hear God saying this. Can you help me process that? Or can you help me do what he's trying to say? He's called us to live in community with each other. He's not called us to be in isolation. Saul experienced this in a community with Ananias and other disciples who helped train and equip him. And he becomes one of the great giants of faith, of sharing the faith to others. Maybe God's called us to just be one person in our circle that can proclaim his word and help others to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's take a pause for just a minute to think about those things as we close our time together. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that you chose to reveal yourself to each of us. And you have given us a mission. First, to listen to you. To hear what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to do what you have asked us to do as you did with Saul and with Ananias. May we take their example to be disciples who listen and to follow through on the things you call us to. Help us to have ears to hear. To be involved in a community of folks that help us process that and to be able to put some action behind what you're telling us to say. Thank you that you revealed us, that you call us your sons and daughters, that we are counted among your family. 
So as families gather today, Lord, help us to be inclusive. Even for those who are the furthest out, we recognize you can bring about change. That we may draw one another in to be loved as you have loved us. May we hear the words that you spoke to your son Jesus, that we are your sons and daughters with whom you are well pleased. Help us to listen to you as our father. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.